Good morning and welcome to the December 15th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about what legend of pro wrestling died from a mob hit on this day in 1963. And as I write today's episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, New Japan is about to dedicate this year's Wrestle Kingdom to the life of their founder. Antonio Inoki. Upon his death, Inoki was widely discussed and regarded as the most influential figure in the history of professional wrestling aside from Vince McMahon. Today's episode takes us back to Japan as we discuss the 1963 death of someone influential in setting the table for Inoki's rise to his aforementioned position in history. The man is Ricky Dozan, and his story starts with the birth of wrestling in Japan. In his book, Lion's Pride, Chris Charlton sets the scene in Japan. The nation was in the grip of the US occupation post-World War II. While Western economics boomed, national morale was low as citizens tried to recover lives impacted by years of firebombing and two nuclear attacks. Food and luxury goods were strictly rationed, leading to a surge in organized crime as Yakuza quickly capitalized by selling goods on the black market. Sports were used to raise national morale. Affordable live of entertainment allowed the public to regain a sense of pride in their nation, a nation now constitutionally bound to peace. Baseball was one such sport, and some seven decades later, it remains enduringly popular. Pro wrestling was another, and arguably the most strategically sound American export for the time. What better way of instilling national pride in public than by giving them a chance to see homegrown heroes show their physical superiority over the occupying wrestlers. Wrestling's staunchly protected predetermined nature ensured Japanese talent would shine and entrance crowds would leave happy." End quote. So that's the climate where our story begins. And given that excerpt focused on Japanese pride, it might surprise you to know that the entirety of the Japanese wrestling scene would be centered around a judoku named Masahiko Kimura and a Korean-born sumo wrestler named Ricky Dozan. And those Korean roots did not always serve Ricky Dozan well. While training as a sumo in Nagasaki Prefecture, the site of the second nuclear bomb in World War II, Charlton explains that while Korean immigrants and their descendants still suffer from racial discrimination today, things were far worse in the 40s, and Ricky Dozan was tormented. Since his Korean birth put a ceiling on his sumo career, Ricky Dozan changed his legal name from Kim Sin Rock to Mitsuhiro Momoto, while renouncing his Korean heritage and claiming Nagasaki as his hometown. As a sumo, Ricky Dozan achieved the highest rank possible on merit. It would be up to the discretion of the sumo's governing body to decide if he would ascend any higher. It was that discretion that Ricky Dozan viewed as his ceiling. He left sumo and tried his hand in professional wrestling, training with the American Freemasons in Japan and then wrestling in Hawaii and the Western United States. With World War II a not-too-distant memory, you can imagine how hated Ricky Dozan would be in the United States. A heel for sure. But it was that heel persona abroad that allowed him to drop the Korean ceiling and make himself into a patriotic babyface at home in Japan. That's some Heart Foundation vibes for sure. Ricky Dozan was off to the races forming the Japanese Pro Wrestling Association, the JWA. Chris Charlton recounts these days, 
Ricky Dozan populated the nascent sport and imported American talent for him to beat in singles or tags with the aforementioned Kimura. These not only brought fans in their droves to arenas, but saw crowds amass outside electronic stores to watch their heroes triumph on the prohibitively expensive televisions on the display. Ricky Dozan, in particular, was propelled to stratospheric levels of fame, and his popularity was extremely lucrative to the JWA and the Yakuza kingpins that circled after the business's clandestine cash. It was a profitable trip for touring Americans like Luthez as well, who were eager to relive Ricky Dozan's battles in the American tories, territories with the nationalistic babyface foreign heel dynamic flipped. End quote. Now, you might have picked up on something that I have up to this point neglected to comment on. The Yakuza. In order to start JWA, Ricky Dozan used seed funding from his friend Nick Zapetti, who, as Charlton put it, was a noted mobster credited with introducing Western practices of organized crime to the Japanese Yakuza. Keep that in mind as we move forward. Ricky Dozan's star was definitely on the rise as he made his way into films in the 50s, but his inability to shake his Korean past made him paranoid and a heavy drinker. That paranoia made him hesitant to face his purely Japanese former partner, Kimura, whose star hadn't quite risen to the level of Ricky Dozan's. All the same, JWA did promote the first ever all-Japanese, in quotes, all-Japanese, main event to take place on December 22, 1954, between Kimura and Ricky Dozan. The winner would become the first JWA champion. Now, the plan was for the match to go the distance, resulting in a 60-minute draw. Afterward, Ricky Dozan and Kimura would feud throughout 1955, allowing Kimura to rise in popularity, hopefully to Ricky Dozan's level. But on match day, a stray and stiff kick from Kimura accidentally caught Ricky Dozan below the belt. Ricky Dozan viewed the kick as something a bit more than accidental, and he utilized his sumo training to retaliate in force, catching the judoka with a series of palm strikes and kicks to the head. Kimura was knocked out and left bloody, his star-making performance was canceled, and Ricky Dozan became Japan's first major wrestling champion. But if his paranoia wasn't high before, Ricky Dozan's shoot performance and the cancellation of Kimura's rise to prominence made things legitimately worse. Still, JWA was great entertainment for the viewing audience, and that remained a fact throughout the 50s. Ricky Dozan would work with Luthez and draw an 85 in television ratings. 85. You heard that right, an 85. Compare that with the two-point-something rating that even WWE struggles to maintain on a week-to-week basis today. While running JWA, Ricky Dozan brought in Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki, two men that would go on to become enormous stars in JWA and who would ultimately start their own promotions that persist to this day. All Japan Pro Wrestling started by Baba, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, as we already talked about in the beginning, started by Antonio Inoki. As for Ricky Dozan, though, he continued to anger the mob by opening up nightclubs in Yakuza territory. His paranoia would go so far as to have him sleeping in hotels with cash from the evening's live gate and a loaded gun, too. On December 8th in 1963, while partying at a club, Ricky Dozan was stabbed by Katsuji Murata of the Yakuza. Now, while the knife wound was minor, the blade had been soaked in urine, and there are conflicting reports that Ricky Dozan beat up his attacker and continued to party all night long, which only allowed the infection to set in. Ricky Dozan would die a week later. 
And that's the story of Ricky Dozan, who died on this very day in 1963. If you'd like to continue the conversation about Ricky Dozan or any topic pertaining to the Daily Wrestling News Show, then head on over to the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group and join John, myself, and other listeners of this show for conversation there. If we don't see you there, we will see you right back here for another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show. Mm-hmm.